Welcome to Worlds Below, an actual play podcast powered by raw, unfiltered feminism. Below is hosted by a couple of goofs. There's Sam, our mistress of ceremonies, Sophie, queen of the jellyfish, and then there's myself, Colt, the drag persona of a space-bound aristocrat. We're three friends who started a tabletop campaign about two years ago and somewhere along the way fell in love with the power of telling stories together. Worlds Below is equal parts weird inside jokes, post-apocalyptic epic, and a heart-wrenching tale of love, loss, and hard decisions made in a brutal world. We started this podcast as an experiment, but it quickly grew into something a lot more meaningful. We saw it as a chance to practice for the next project we chose to take on. So with none of the skills you actually need to start a podcast, we used this game as an opportunity to develop our editing skills, and hone our narrative chops. As a result, you'll notice the quality of the first couple episodes is really rough. It was never really intended for a listening audience, but as with most actual plays, I promise that if you stick with us, it gets a lot better very quickly. Despite this game having gone on for almost two years now, we only really started recording our sessions about five months ago. As a result, the story picks up rather late into uh, the current narrative. And I know it's hard to jump into a story with no context, so what follows aims to recap the story thus far for those interested in picking up worlds below from episode one. But before we get to that though, I just wanna share why we're doing this. Sam, Sophie, and I, we found something in this game that we love. We found in it a way to ask questions about ourselves and the world around us. Collaborative storytelling became a medium to say something about the kind of world that we want to see, and allowed us to explore characters alien to our own experiences. We wanted to record not only to practice podcasting skills, but also to share a small piece of the story of Cat Partrail and Angelica Starchild. Two unlikely friends bound together by trust, betrayal, and a need to make the world a better place. And now, we begin with some history. The year is 2132.
Well, <laughs> it would be if any of the old calendars still mattered. For those that survived, it is the year 80 AI. 80 years after the invasion that devastated their homes and forced the last fragments of humanity to flee to the stars. Our story begins with the descendants of these refugees, two women who shared a home but came from vastly different worlds. Kat Partrail and Angelica Starchild, inhabitants of the starship haven, the last refuge of humanity, are arrested for their suspected involvement in the murder of Admiral James Alizan. Resources are short on the station, and so for their crimes, they are banished, sent down to Earth on a one-way trip to determine if the planet is habitable. Haven is in trouble, and with the only other escape pod having been hijacked by someone unknown, they are the last hope for their families, their friends, and even their enemies. Cat's fellows, the renegade scientists and engineers of the Underdecks give her a warm and boisterous send-off, as well as a cryptic note from a hooded stranger that suggests Haven's problems are even worse than they appear. Angelica, daughter of one of the most prominent families in the Upper Decks, has a private and quiet farewell with her mourning father, a man shattered by the loss of his wife and now his only daughter. On the descent to the planet, the escape pod experiences a critical malfunction. Cat and Angelica's controlled descent turns into a horrifying freefall and ends in a crash landing onto the unforgiving planet below. When they emerge, they discover that the pod's computer, their only means of contacting Haven, is broken. Lost and wildly off course, and with only each other to rely on, they know their only chance is to travel east and seek out the emergency beacon at the end of the known world. On the ground, Kat and Angelica are found by a civilization that defies their wildest expectations. Humanity has risen from the ashes of the alien war. In the simple town of Ridari, they meet the Jarl Magnar and his family, who urge them to seek out the High King in the city of Felhamir. They also find the first signs of a church antithetical to their very existence. Terra Pure shuns anything that comes from above as heresy. Kat and Angelica lie and say that they have arisen from a mysterious bunker in the northern mountains, and they are believed for now. They are guided to Felhamir by Lydia, the Jarl's eldest daughter. She defends them from a monstrous beast and shows them a secret carved into the bedrock of the planet, alien runes imposed upon the landscape by some mysterious force. To this day, no one knows what they say, or more importantly, what they mean. In the capital city of Felhimir, they discovered a tyrannical king, Bjork I, who is beholden to the aforementioned Church of Terra Pure. She is a monarch with a bloody history, tied to a xenophobic pope. Kat and Angelica witness the cruelty of the church firsthand, but they also witness dissent. A heretical prophet has arisen in the East, preaching the benevolence of the aliens and predicting a second coming. Her followers have infiltrated the kingdom and enraged the king and the pope. 
When they requested aid for their people, the king instead offered them a deal. Travel to the coastal city of Nirnik and capture the heretical prophet. Bring the prophet back for trial and execution and, in return, their people would be granted land and the protection of the kingdom. At St. Barris University, Kat learned the ancient art of biocoding, and her tutor told her they might find the tech they need to fix their computer in the Forbidden West. A few poor decisions in a tavern later, and the two find themselves signing on as protectors for an archaeologist named Max, who intends to journey west. Max shows them some intriguing pieces of lost history, which predict the existence of a pre-arrival village, and she is determined to find it. Kat and Angelica ride through lands controlled by bandits, passing the wreckage of a mysterious alien craft whose secrets they fail to unlock, witnessing more alien runes along the way. In the bandit city of Firar Vigar, Kat and Angelica are forced into a death match by the anarchist bandit chief Gunner. Unprepared for the weapons brought against them, Angelica was fatally stabbed, but did not die. Her wounds closed and she got to her feet, while Kat rallied the crowd around her, earning her the title Angelica the Unkillable. Having gained the bandits' respect, they continued west into the wild land still unclaimed by survivors. This time, though, they were not traveling alone. Mags the Magnificent and Shotgun Steve, former adversaries during the death match, now turned friends, joined them at their request. Along the way, they were attacked by a pack of deadheads, wild and vicious humans corrupted by an unknown illness. They dispatched the creatures and carried on, at last reaching the lost village Max was searching for. Here, they found the remnants of a refugee group fleeing the invasion, and indications that their own ancestors had once spent time in this camp. But nothing more than these memories remain. Nothing remains, except some alien runes carved into the ground, and a mystery. Where had everyone gone? Max stays behind to investigate, while our heroes continue on. The journey west grows more perilous as Kat, Angelica, and their companions approach the city once known as Toronto. The wilds are populated by cybernetic animals both wondrous and deadly, and the threat of deadheads looms ever-present. Here, they hope to find one of the tech conglomerates of old, from which they believe they can salvage a part for their broken radio. On the outskirts of the city, they find a vast complex of glass structures that must have once been breathtaking. Phoenix Enterprises. Before the end, it was the world's leader in bioengineering technologies and pioneered the development of the first cybernetically augmented animals. In the present day, it has fallen far from the beacon of creation its makers aspired toward. Instead, it has become a nest for deadheads. They devise a trick to lure the human-like creatures away from their goal. Cat, Angelica, and Shotgun Steve descend into the dark bowels of Phoenix, 
leaving mags to protect the horses. They pass boardrooms, bioengineered monsters, and abandoned cages. Deep in the lab, with only one way out, down, their time runs out. Angelica is forced to make a hard choice. Tackling Kat into an elevator, she leaves Steve behind to face the swarm of deadheads that have found them. Shocked and appalled by Angelica's betrayal, Kat tries to go back for him. But it's too late. With no options left, the two carry on to the lowest floor, the immense databanks of Phoenix Enterprises. There, they find a hologram of Patricia Phoenix, last of her name, and a snapshot of the dying days of Earth. They learn that no natural cause created the deadheads. It was a bioengineered viral code designed to turn the surviving humans into alien-killing machines as a last-ditch effort to save the rest. Mutating beyond the control of its creators, it instead spawned a monstrous race severed from all that once made them human. However, with enough research, Kat realizes she might be able to reverse the deadhead code. As this world takes, it also gives, and the two find the part they need to repair their radio, only to discover that on the other side of the world, in near Nick, the second pod is relaying an unbreakable blocking signal. Alone in the dark basement of a ruin, pursued by humans twisted beyond all recognition, and a world apart from everyone they love, Kat and Angelica feel like strangers to one another. Again. arguing about um tongue twisters yes um <laughs> time to game so these are the notes that i made during yeah. our conversation over my cat's birthday brunch yes um <laughs> very important sorry could you repeat yeah. that time <laughs> so on poof balls for fifth birthday party yes. we had a party on this the day of my poof balls on this the day of my cat's here, birthday here i will read the minutes from the meeting we had upon poof balls birthday here ye here ye the fluffiest cat in the land has arrived well my cat's the fluffiest cat in the land okay it's not a competition <laughs> but mine um, <laughs> but mine